Welcome back to The Role Player, my fellow role players. I am your host and the role player, Brett Baker. And holy shit, Andrew Luck is retired from the National Football League. Absolutely crazy turn of events that happened during the middle of a Colts preseason game. We also had the return of college football in week zero. We had two thrillers. Very fun weekend in sports. We're going to be discussing all all of that plus a little bit of an AFC preview and we're even going to round the bases with some baseball talk so stay tuned for that Thomas Penland is joining us once again and we'll catch you after the break and three two one let's go back to the role player i am your host and the role player brett baker and i am back with my oldest guest my longest reoccurring guest the uh probably about the 20th show we've done together thomas penland and as always we are going to lead the show with this day in sports history usually i find the this day in sports history segment but i gave it to thomas because he said he had a good one I haven't heard it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Hit it, Thomas. Well, first thing I want to say is I feel like we've definitely done way more than 20 podcasts together. I'd say it's up more towards like – yeah, I'd say we're closer to like the 40, 50 range. But so today is Monday, August 26th, 2019. And on this day, 30 years ago, the baddest man in the league. He's the NBA MVP, averaged 36 oh, points per game this last season. James Harden was born. I'm wearing his jersey right now to honor him today. I knew Brett was not going to like it that much. That's why I couldn't tell him. But that's what we got today in this day in sports. I mean, the, the dirty, the best score, the greatest step back we've ever seen, the best three-point shot off the dribble, James Harden. It's his birthday, so I got to give a shout-out to my boy. Yeah, and I hope you saw that I did tweet about him from the TRP account. Follow us at TRP underscore sports. Shameless plug. But, I, yeah, I did tweet it about him. I actually tweeted him a birthday shout-out. It's undeniable. I shit on you a lot of the times just because it's you and it's your favorite player. But he is undeniably probably the greatest scorer of uh, this generation with the exception of maybe Kobe and Kevin Durant in terms of just volume. But, I mean, even then, he's right there in the debate. I think he's. I think it's probably like a plateau right there because you don't really get any better than this in terms of scoring he has now scored a 40 point game against every team in the nba absolute wild stat Mm -hmm. except for the houston rockets and he even scored i think i want to say 28 against the houston rockets when he was with the thunder in the uh early stages of his career so it sucks that he didn't get the 30 piece against his own team but Shout out James Harden for turning 30, and I hope that he has a great... I hope he gets a ring. I really do. I don't want him to be one of those players that doesn't get a ring, so hopefully his 30s 
brings a ring and maybe even another MVP award. We'll see. Oh yeah, abs- absolutely, absolutely. I'll you know what? I'll stay off the subject here just because I don't want to. We I can sit here and talk about James Harden for a whole forty minute podcast, so <laughs> we'll do that. But I mean, we got we got to talk about the biggest headline in sports. I mean, honestly, like this was such a big story that I felt like that the only way to announce it was with a woge bomb, which unfortunately it wasn't. Mm. But I was absolutely shocked. I mean, I think this is probably the most shocking news I've gotten. You're not even going to mention what it is. Thomas is referring. Thomas Pinlin is referring to Lamar Miller tearing his ACL. <laughs> no, we're talking about Andrew Luck here. <laughs> Although Lamar Miller tearing his ACL will be included in this conversation here. Yeah, it is definitely it's the same division. The uh, yeah, the division took a huge, huge hit. Uh, it, it sucks because that division was looking like it was going to be a top-notch division. Now, without Andrew Luck, the Colts are in a bad situation but that doesn't mean they're not a good team i think jacoby brissett is actually not bad but he's not andrew luck and i was absolutely baffled by the whole entire thing i mean i literally i said to myself what the fuck like four times in a row i was just so confused by the fact that he I understand retiring. I really do. I'm behind him if he wants to get his body right and he doesn't want to, you know, put it put himself through the gauntlet anymore. But I wish he would have done it just a little bit different. Um, my suggestion is that he could have gone on IR for a little while, uh, muled over the decision, and then kind of retired. I think it would have probably been less impactful than him retiring two weeks from the regular season. I think that's why everybody was mad at him. But... At the same time, the Colts fans are absolute garbage for booing him. That was such garbage. Um, I actually can't blame them. Look, I'm not going to lie. If it, I was at a Colts preseason game and my franchise player, you know, like the Colts are a Super Bowl contender with him in there, quite frankly. You know, I think they're probably a top five team, top seven mm-hmm. team in the NFL with Andrew Luck playing quarterback. And I mean, if that happens, I think your initial reaction would be to boo him. And I would do it too. But look... I don't fault the fans for that, but I also don't fault Andrew Luck. I mean, I feel like that, you know, he said that he didn't want to get back in that place again where he couldn't keep his body healthy. And quite frankly, he couldn't keep his body healthy and he was just kind of over it. And I mean, I respect him for kind of telling himself like there's a certain spot I won't go to again in football. And he got there again. He said he's retiring and he was a man of his word. You know, I can't blame him at all. And I respect Andrew Luck for making the decision at the end of the day. Obviously, it's a very hard decision. Like I said, I mean, they were the clear cut winner of the division here and the Texans lose Lamar. Miller to the torn ACL I mean I think this division is extremely up for grabs which is one of my biggest takeaways but you know like this is to me is like I mean I it, I think probably the most shocked I've been been to hear any kind of news that doesn't include like a player getting traded or something like that was probably like mm. getting the news of Jose Fernandez's death I really think this is the most shocked really? and just like just like wow I'm gonna go I've with a since different Hernandez uh, I think I think the biggest one for me was Aaron Hernandez in the last, you know, decade or so. You know, with the uh the the whole murdering people situation. I thought that one was pretty crazy as well. I don't have a problem with him retiring. Let me clear the air on that. I do not have a problem. I think that he needs to do what's right for himself and if he needs to retire then so be it. The only thing that I had any type of issue with was just the timing behind it. I understand that and I don't even really have an issue with it. I'm just saying if he didn't want to get booed, he probably shouldn't have done it in a preseason game as it is. Uh, 
But hey, I mean, you, well, you're going to make that decision. Well, in a press conference the next day, but it leaked is what yeah. happened. You're going to make that decision regardless of, you know, if you really wanted to make the decision, it didn't really matter what the time was because he was going to make it anyway. It does not matter. I did see that. I want to point towards that video. I think that he actually did tell Jacoby Brissett mid-game. Did y'all? If you haven't seen the video, it's on the TRP Twitter account. You just gotta scroll down there a little bit. Plug second time, and he literally was shocked. Like Jacoby Brissett literally got off the field for a drive, talked to Andrew Luck, and was like, "What? Huh? What?" And those, that was it. And I know that was Andrew Luck breaking the news to him that he was retiring and that he was the starting starting quarterback. It was, I can't, I still can't believe it. I don't think it will truly sink in until the Colts play in Week One with no Andrew Luck. But hey, yeah, no, I th- I think it's to be absolutely crazy. Let's talk a little bit more so like effects of it. You know, I think that. Do you think that this will affect decisions of players moving forward in the league who are injury prone and want to retire early? Because I mean, Lux definitely made more than enough money. He made over a, over a hundred million dollars playing football. I mean, it's you know, it's not like he's gonna be struggling out there. It's not like he's gonna mm-hmm. be sleeping on the side of the road. He's definitely not gonna be box. struggling, and he also has a $27 million settlement with the Colts for retiring or $24 million, something like Indy. that. And, yeah, classy move by Indy, especially after your fans booed. It probably added a couple million to the equation. But I don't necessarily think that it's going to have a huge impact on players returning or uh, retiring early. I think that it already kind of has happened before with you know players like – Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson, they decided to retire to kind of preserve their bodies a little bit. And I think that that's already been happening. It's just that at the quarterback position, it is always a little bit of a shock because in this league, we're seeing all these quarterbacks, you know, you know, your Tom Brady's, your Drew Brees, even your Phillip Rivers, they're staying in the league for so long. Uh, that you kind of come to expect these quarterbacks to have these once in a generation type quarterbacks to have these long drawn out careers. And we didn't see that with Andrew Luck. He was actually entering what normally is the prime of somebody's career. And it sucks. I mean, I I hate to see him go uh, just because I simply was interested to see what he was going to be able to accomplish in his career. He's already accomplished a ton, but there's not really much that I think it affects. Uh, I think it affects the fantasy outlook of a lot of players. <laughs> he was actually owned by. He was actually owned by, fifty four percent of the leagues as of this morning, which is hilarious. I uh, pretty sure he got drafted a couple times after he retired. Tough. Uh, and I think it affects everybody on that fantasy roster. But hey, whatever. It doesn't ma- doesn't matter. I didn't have any Colts. I don't think you had any Colts on your team. We're good. Nope. Yeah, no, we're definitely good. Um, yeah, I think it also affects the decision ext- a lot because, I mean, it basically knocks the number one team out off the top. I mean, I don't – look, I don't think with Jacoby Brissett it'll be, oh, we got the Colts. Is it, you know, like I think – I mean, they're definitely still a tough football team with Jacoby Brissett and their quarterback. But I think, honestly, like the division is definitely up for grabs. Look, the Texans, they're going to need a running back. Duke Johnson cannot shoulder a full wo- wor- uh, workload. He also can't really run between the tackles like that. And you're definitely going to need a power back in a run game. The, also, the 
Texans have the hardest schedule in the NFL. So, I mean, I don't think it makes them a shoe in. See, my thing with Jacksonville, like I've said, like I said on our uh, AFC South, or when we previewed the AFC South, I guess like two weeks ago. They're playing some tough defenses I mean, in their division. Yeah, I mean, the J- Jacksonville has a great defense, but at the same time, I mean, if the offense isn't doing much, what's going to happen? I mean, look, Nick Foles is definitely an upgrade to Blake Bortles, but at the same time, Nick Foles is still yet to play all 16 games in a season, and he doesn't have Dallas Goddard. He doesn't have Zach Ertz. He don't have Alshon Jeffrey. You know, I, I mean, Leonard Fournette's going to have to stay healthy. Very confused how why you went in. with Goder first, but hey. Whatever, man. Hey, I'm telling you, man, don't sleep on Dallas Goddard. He's about to ball out. All I've been hearing out of Philadelphia is how impressed they are with him. And quite frankly, all I've been is impressed with Goddard. But I mean, I'm not saying know, he's I, not I, impressive, I but be a tough run. Ertz right comes now, first in gun that to my head, Gun to your head, who you picking to win that division now? I'm going to go over, and then we're going to talk about it later. You hear me? You're going with it later? All right, fair enough. We're going we're gonna to discuss it later. Yeah, you, you froze a little bit yeah, there. To move, to move on from this topic, right, because we will talk about that division, it is a loaded conversation, especially with all the news that happened over the weekend with Andrew Luck and Lamar Miller getting hurt. The next thing on the list of headlines to discuss, I actually stayed up and watched this game, unfortunately. Team USA lost their first time in I think what what was it like 13 years that they've lost and it was to Australia uh Patty Mills went off for 30 points against his own coach and Greg Popovich we also had Matthew Dellavedova play decent we had you know a lot of Joe Ingles played good Andre Bogut played good it was just not a good look I think that it really showed the it really exposed Team USA's youth on the team because those are some veteran NBA guys that aren't even as talented as some of the play or most of the players on the Team USA roster and they absolutely really dismantled our youth I mean they it was pretty bad to it was tough to watch um, I, I mean, am we worried were, about them. We're leading though in the fourth quarter. We just yeah, kind of we blew were. it, you know. Like I, I am kind of like, worried about them. It's kind of though. like the game. I am. I mean, do you are do you think they can? Do you think that they can still win the FIBA World Cup, or you think another team can beat them? I think they can definitely still win it, and I think they probably will. But I am worried that they will not have the experience to win in a close game on an international scale, especially without a home crowd or you know a home. Advantage. I mean, you play a team like Spain, or you play even Giannis, who is going to be the only player on that team. But I mean, nonetheless, I think it's pretty worrisome that they lost to Australia, even though it was on a home home field or a home court advantage with Australia. But I mean, it is a little bit intimidating, especially because we haven't lost in 13 years. I'm more of I'm a little bit disappointed in the fact that we let our young kids lose that streak hopefully it puts a fire yeah but you know all win streaks come to an end eventually and i actually think it was the best thing that could have happened to this team i think it was a little bit of a wake-up call i think it focuses them a little bit more i also think that it kind of showed them what it's like to play in a hostile international environment where you know not necessarily everything is going your way 
And so I think it'll help this team step up a little bit. I also think that come the World Cup, you know, when we got guys like R.J. Barrett, who's Canadian, you know, we got guys like Luka Doncic. We got all these other guys from different countries who are probably going to step in and play for their country. I also think that it makes these um, veteran NBA players that are, you know, that chose to sit this event out. I think that it'll also make all them, you know, give them a new love and make them want to come out there and play at the same time. So I think it was the best thing to happen for them now while it's in tune-up rather than in the t- in the FIBA World Cup, and I'm still 100% confident in our ability to win this tournament. I'm definitely I'm definitely confident in the fact that they probably will win the tournament. I just am worried, like, another game like this uh, that comes down to the end and they kind of just fizzle out, especially when you have somebody like Patty Mills who's scoring big-time buckets. I mean, he was hitting big shots. He really was. All down the stretch, he was hitting big shots, and that's what killed him. And it was just a little bit too late when they started picking it back up. And they lost. And we're just going to have to get over it. Our 13-year win streak is over. I forget how many games that we won in a row. But it was a substantial amount, obviously, because we hadn't lost in 13 years. But me and you are both agreeing here that I don't think anybody should be worried about the FIBA World Cup. I think we're good to go. We're still Team USA. We still have the best talent in the world. Although the world is getting a little bit better with each passing year. Well, but we'll see, obviously. To end our headline talk before we get to a brand new segment that I'm actually kind of looking forward to. We haven't been able to do a, a strict baseball talk for a minute. And I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm kind of looking forward to a baseball segment. I haven't been able to talk about the baseball very much because football is just rearing its undeniable head just you have to talk about it i mean if football is coming up and it's on the forecast you just have to talk about it for pretty much endless amounts yeah, of time but you know we we're also kind of stuck in the dog days of summer where it's just kind of like you know whatever with baseball like you don't mm-hmm. really want to talk about it because at that point you're just kind of you know either just stating the obvious or making assumptions just to make them you know it's just kind of like when you watch sports talk and they're just kind of like trying to but i feel like that's what we've been doing baseball now is a good time, you know, when the season's winding down and it's really becoming a crunch time where you got to play. If you don't play your best baseball, you're going to be watching October rather than competing in it. But let's talk about college football week zero here. With that being said, with that being said, let's talk about some football. <laughs> yeah, with that being said, we have to talk about football here. So obviously, you know, I thought this is the best college football. Before week we even zero, start this, can I say one thing? Yeah, I absolutely hate Felipe Franks. I hate him. I hate <laughs> hey, him. I'm a Florida State fan. I won't disagree I with you. I hate him. Uh, he is the worst. He sucks. I mean, first of all, that whole entire thing when he scored that touchdown and he's like, we do this. This is a game that they should have won. They should have beat the hell out of Miami in reality mm-hmm. in terms of just straight up your ranking. They're unranked. You're the number eight seed. It's the first game of the season you're supposed to be the shit apparently you're florida number eight florida and he's acting like they just won the fucking national championship against miami and he's running around prancing around the field like an idiot and then his interview is horrible i mean it was like one of the worst interviews i've ever seen he is yeah he that interception he threw by the way was awful he threw it to three dudes that were just standing there waiting for it yeah, it wasn't even like he threw. It wasn't even like he was throwing the ball to a receiver. I mean, Steve Spurrier looked like he was about to have a heart attack. 
Oh my gosh. That was the, like sitting there watching that game, you know, like uh, Dan Mullen had to be so frustrated. I mean, it felt like every single time, you know, I, I was backing Florida minus seven. So I was like, all right, you know, Florida, they, Miami drives down the field, kicks a field goal. I was like, all right, whatever. I mean, realistically, Florida missed so many tack. They missed, would miss tackle just long Miami plays that lead to touchdowns. They, you know, they th- turn the ball over when they were down on the goal line. I mean, there were so many times where Florida could have just blown the doors off the game and instead they turned it over. But honestly, I actually feel like getting out of this game with a victory is a huge turning point for Florida's season. Cause when you play a game like that, where you should win and you turn the ball over as much as they did and you get those stupid penalties when it's, you sack them and it's supposed to be fourth down and 20 or, or you commit a pass interference and you give them break them back life you know when you keep making stupid mistakes like that and you still win a game you shouldn't I feel like it's a big turning point in a season for a team and honestly I was impressed with Miami I got I was say, impressed with Miami and I was impressed shit. with their freshman quarterback even though he was obviously making some questionable decisions with the ball at some points in terms no of not pass, yeah and sorry yeah he had no time to pass he had I was disappointed in Miami's pass rush by the way I was very disappointed in that I think this is a game that Miami should have won and mm-hmm. in reality I don't think Florida should be proud at all and I think that the reason I'm so down on that I, the reason I do not like Felipe Franks as much as I do not like Felipe Franks is because he was acting like they came and dominated this game and they didn't he got shit kicked from the get-go and got bailed out by his defense completely. They had, what, 11 sacks in this game or nine sacks or something like that? I mean, this Miami offense was probably had about two to three seconds to get the ball out of the backfield. And Miami only had one sack. No, I'm saying but Florida, Florida had 11 sacks. Had 10 sick. Yeah, they had 10 sacks. Yeah, I mean, you. I mean, that's just. That is. Yeah. Felipe Franks did nothing, he had three turnovers. <laughs> and he got lucky on one deep ball pretty much and you embarrassed yeah, no, steve spurrier on national television visually yeah, but hey i will i will say this about miami they definitely made the right choice going with jaron williams at quarterback and you know it really looks like manny diaz has gotten this whole program to buy in from top to bottom and it looks like he's got a serious team there i mean i think miami you know i picked virginia to win the coast acc coastal but i think Miami's the team of destiny there that will control the acc coastal i mean that defense was legit yes they only had one sack but you know they forced turnovers they played well i mean they really made this game tough on florida i mean they i thought miami with what they were given in the circumstances and everything going in there with a with a freshman quarterback i thought they could not have played a better game and you know florida like i said man they were lucky to get out of there with that victory i think jaron williams though he's gonna be a beast no, he's gonna be the he's truth real shifty and quick in the open field i mean he's gonna haunt the acc for a long time no, and i mean he was throwing good passes and when it mattered most mm-hmm. he was throwing good passes and it one of the things that impresses me most when young quarterbacks and or like freshman quarterbacks in college football can throw the 15 to 20 yard pass accurately consistently and he was doing that i mean there was a lot of times where and don't get me wrong florida's cornerbacks are absolutely no joke they're probably some of the best cornerback unit they're probably maybe the best cornerback unit in the country with the exception of maybe one or two teams and he was throwing passes that really were not easy passes to make by any means and he was completing completing them with no time in the pocket that was impressive to see if they get an offensive line to protect him Miami could be a team to look out for for real especially in the future 
And yeah, absolutely. You know that 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 game was a that game was definitely a, a hard one to watch, especially since my max bet best bet for the day was on the uh, under in that game forty seven. Mm. So you know I was I, I sweat that that one made me sweat it out till the last damn play of the game, which sucked. But I mean, do you have any closing thoughts on this one before we flip to the nightcap? Yeah, before we flip to the nightcap, which also was a sweater. I mean, Jesus. That was a great game. Yeah, it was, was a great, great game. I, I'm not. We're gonna talk about this one, but I do want to say, I have a feeling that Tate Martell is going to somehow end up on the Patriots. I don't know Slot why. Receiver. Yeah. Little yeah, Julian Edelman. Yeah, I still think Miami's got big plans for him, and they're going to turn him loose. You know, like week six or seven, I think once he gets a little more acclimated at wide receiver, with that speed he was showing out there, I would love to see them turn him loose on some ACC defenses. Yeah, I do, and I think that they should have. Personally, I think that they should have used him in the Wildcat a little bit more than they did. I guess. I mean, he only did a few things, but I remember at one point, one of their bigger runs in the game, he was actually the one that handed it off. And I think that, you know, having to pay attention to him and, you know, two running backs in the backfield is something that not not many college defenses can adjust to on the fly when you're, you know, usually playing it from the shotgun or single back formation like Miami does or high form. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you there. Let's uh, keep things moving a little bit here and get to the uh, nightcap. Um, this game was wild, you know. Yeah, I this game up, was fun I to watch. This game went over at about, yeah, I think this game went over at about two forty-five. It was funny. One of my buddies and I were texting back and forth, and he was like, he was like, so uh, he's like, are you staying up and watch this whole game? I was like, I mean, yeah, I got Hawaii plus eleven, and you know, I I knew from watching the first five minutes of that game that I was going to be up till about three o'clock in the morning watching it, just because there was no defense whatsoever. The craziest no. part to me about that cornerback or that was the safety was getting ripped. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, but the craziest part to me about this game was the fact that Hawaii's quarterback, uh, McDonald, this man threw four interceptions and gets pulled, and the backup quarterback comes in here, um, I, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, and literally just picks up exactly where they left off. I mean, how many times do you watch a game where a guy throws for 378 yards, four touchdowns, but then turns around and throws four interceptions and gets pulled, and then the backup quarterback <laughs> comes in and wins? Yeah, and honestly, before we even talk about the backup quarterback, that that uh, the first quarterback, McDonald, is exactly, exactly what I expect a quarterback should look like for the Hawaii Rainbow Rainbow <laughs> Warriors. Like that's exactly what I think he should look like for real. I mean, it was a wild game though, for real. I mean, it was absolutely a thriller. I enjoyed every second of it. I really was even looking forward to like watching it all the way through because it was such a late game and I was like if this game kind of gets out of hand I'm not even gonna pay attention to it I just don't even care and then we got to see what we got to see which was an incredible ending we'll fast forward about I guess 10 touchdowns uh towards the back side of the game after just an absolutely thrilling game in which we saw you know what was the uh wide receiver's name uh Oh, Cedric Bird. Cedric or Bird, no, not, yeah. Not, no, it's Cedric yeah, Bird. Yeah, it was Cedric Bird. Cedric Bird, he had yards. like 200 yards and four Dude. touchdowns at this point. Yeah. Uh, we're up by a touchdown. What was the score? What was the score at that point? Uh, 28 What are you talking about? On the, on the last drive? Last drive? 38-45. 38-45, yeah. 38-45. 
and we're about 30 yards out. I mean, I really didn't think that I did not think that Arizona had a single chance and we see their quarterback Khalil just absolutely take off running. It was literally like the end of a Friday, the Friday night, Friday night lights movie. I texted you that you said it was like the Steve McNair play. This man literally ran 30 yards, put the team on his back and fell up a yard short. He literally ended the first night of college football on the one yard line in a seven point game. That is why we love college football, and that's why I am so excited about football being back. I literally talked about it over when I was watching, and I was like, the world is literally on fire, and I could not give a damn because college football is back. And it is a horrible thing to say because I do give a damn. But when football's on, I don't care about anything. I am so excited. I, 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 it took a lot for me to realize how addicted I was to college football. But that was like the cherry, or to football in general. But that was a cherry on top for me. How into it I was for an Arizona, fucking Hawaii game. Yeah, you know the craziest part about that game too was at the very end of the game. You know who made the game-saving tackle was the defensive tackle for Hawaii. He ran down Khalil Tate that entire play, which is absolutely absurd. But real quick here before that we move to baseball because I know we're taking forever and we still got a lot of important stuff to talk about. I don't think we were um, taking that long. I'll tell you what we're at. What are we at? 27 minutes, man. We're good. All right, we're, we're moving good then, but – you know, Khalil Tate in Arizona, a lot of people thought that they'd be back this year. They could make a real big run. I mean, they got six turnovers this game. Six turnovers, and they still lost to Hawaii. I mean, how I mean, did you lose a game or get six turnovers? That defense was not looking shows, good. No, not at all. And I think if it shows anything, too, Kevin Sumlin, I mean, I think that he used Tate better this time where he was letting him run around a lot more. I mean, he had 108 yards rushing and 361 yards passing. But, I mean, I think it just means that Arizona is not a true competitor like they thought they'd make him more so. This is a team where, you know, if you don't get if you don't get up and get prepared, Arizona is going to come out there and run the ball over you and pass the ball over you and kind of, you know, it's kind of more – Arizona is more so of a trap team than they – are of a you know team that's really a competitor in any way i agree with you there and i think that um you have any more thoughts yeah i i definitely agree with you on that i think that they are a trap team and i think that you know without a defense that can even come close to stopping an opposing team i think you're in an uphill sprint i think that you really can't do anything about it that safety was so slow he was getting beat over the top every single time they sent a man there it was it was pathetic to watch but i'm done with college football week zero i will say that cedric bird literally started his college football season better than it's like starting on ncaa 2014 it's like starting a game as a wide receiver that's like starting your whole entire career right there on the video game that was a video those were video game numbers but before we leave college football week zero, we need a new NCAA football. So that's just something worth mentioning. It's on the top of my head. So let's get to the baseball talk. I am absolutely ecstatic about baseball season really wrapping up because it's been such a long, 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 long walking speed. Just long season <laughs> and we are at the end we're at the finish line the Braves are looking phenomenal we'll get to that in just a moment and this is our new segment 
We're going to be running the bases, and we're going to be running the bases with some baseball talk. So, in three, two, one, let's go. This ball is crushed. All right, first, before we get things started off here, I'll, uh, we'll each talk for each topic about a minute. That's how it's going to work here. But this is more so of a, you, you know, you hit the home run and the pitcher's not happy with you and you take extra long to run around the bases. So this is not exactly how fast you would run around the bases. But let's get it going You here. take right, exactly eight minutes to run around the bases. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, you might have got lost, maybe stopped to get a hot dog or two, you know, on the way around. But you made your way around, touched them all. Um, I'll let you kick us off here. Braves are on fire with all these injuries right now. I mean, what are your thoughts on this team? Okay. So the Braves are absolutely on fire. We won eight games in a row prior to losing today in Colorado in a really weird game. I'm ecstatic about it. We haven't even got our full team. Dansby Swanson came back today, but our team is still on the cusp of being what they are and what they will actually be come playoff time with a healthy roster. I think our bullpen's finally coming to the, coming together and settling in with the exception of today. And I think that Shane Green's pitching well. Uh, We're not blowing as many save opportunities. Freddie Freeman is suddenly leading the league in RBIs out of nowhere quietly and nobody's talking about it. Acuna's got a 30-for-30 season. I think that this is the team that might actually be able to beat the Dodgers for once. I know we have seen so many heartbreaking losses against the Dodgers, but we might be here. Hopefully a World Series is in our schedule. I'm done. That was my minute. Boom. Home run. All right. All right, here's my turn to hit it out the park. And, you know, I'm not going to lie, today definitely was a weird game, but this team has been absolutely on fire. And, you know, when you see Austin Riley, Dansby Swanson, um, even Brian McCann, Nick Markakis, I feel like I'm forgetting someone else, Ender. too, that's a major. Yeah, Ender and Ciarte. When you have all those guys go down and get hurt, and you can just add players and keep on, you know, just getting better, I think it speaks to how well that Brian Snicker is um, doing it, managing this team. And I think, honestly, the best example of that you know is again in that Dodgers series when we're you know we were very very beat up and the Braves have not played well against the Dodgers you see Ronald Acuna kind of loaf on a on a ball that he hits off the wall because he thought it was a home run and he gets thrown out trying to steal second base and he tells him to go sit down then the next night Snicker turns around when he gets hit with the first pitch of the game and y'all know that bad blood between Ronald the Marlins and he has his back I think Snicker's done a great job with this clubhouse and that's why we're able to pick up guys like Echeverria like Francisco Cervelli um I'm not going to name them all off, but that's why we're able to pick these guys up and have them all fill in so well. All right. Um, let's move now from a little Bravos talk. We had to get that one off our chest first. We're at second base now. And Dodgers have been struggling a little bit lately, you know? I mean, obviously, it is a long season here, but I guess I'll go ahead and kick this one off. Go for it. So the Dodgers have not been playing as well over this last little stretch here, and I actually do think the team is regressing here. Engine Ryu has thrown the most pitches of any pitcher in baseball. He's thrown 
Houston. He is their ace. He has been shelled his last two outings, giving up eight runs to the Yankees, four runs to the Braves, one of those being at home. And this is after that he returned from the IL, where they kind of tried to rest his arm a little bit. Usually you expect a guy to be sharper when he returns, and he's not. Walker Bueller is very up and down. Don't get me wrong. When he's on, he can strike out 16 batters. But when he's off, you, you're just hitting him right out the park. Look, I really think the strength of the Dodgers team has been their pitching is the last three years in baseball. They've had the best – or is the last six years they've led the NL and wins strikeouts, um, ERA, basically all the big stats. I mean, this team doesn't hit the ball that well either. I mean, they definitely get runs home, don't get me wrong, but this team plays towards the under a lot more. I think the Dodgers are very beatable, and I think they're vulnerable. Obviously, it's a long season because you can slump some, but look, I think a team like the Braves that are on fire are playing their best baseball at the right time. The Dodgers are not. Brett, you're up. And yeah, to start it off, I want to say that I do agree with you on the sense that I think they are coming down to earth a little bit. I do think they're a very talented team and they're obviously going to be hard to beat, but you're right. All their starting pitchers are struggling. Uh, Clayton Kershaw got rocked by the Yankees, which Mm -hmm. I can't blame him on that. Ryu's gotten rocked by the New York Yankees and the Atlanta Braves. And while these are good teams, you won't be playing anything less than good teams in the playoffs. You also had Bueller get shelled by the Miami Marlins, possibly one of the worst teams in baseball. They have not looked particularly well. They lost two out of three to the Yankees. They lost two out of three to the Braves. This is the year that the Braves can beat the Dodgers in the postseason. I'm almost sure of it. I think that with the Braves pitching advancements, we're actually getting to the point where we can actually beat the Dodgers, and that is thrilling news for us. Yeah, you know, I'd love to hear that. I'm holding a Braves plus 900 ticket in my back pocket right now. So (laughs) hoping I can cash that out to win the World Series at some point this season. Um, Let's move here now to the number three on here. And that is who will be your home run champion? I'll let you start us off with this one. Okay. Um, I am going, I've been pretty, you know, I've been pretty steady on this pick. I think that Christian Yelich is going to be our home run champion i think that he is just going to be the most consistent in the end and i think that it's going to be between him and mike trout the only reason i'm going christian yelich is because it's really just prerogative at this point uh you could probably pick any of the three and be okay with it even pete alonzo's in there I think that Christian Yellick is going to end the season on a tear. I think he's going to win MVP as well with it. And I don't even need my last 15 seconds. Although I do want to say that Mike Trout might get it as well. He's my second pick. Yeah, you... Yeah, you know, I th- I don't think Yelich can get it, but it's actually kind of crazy to think about this because Bellinger's pretty much played in almost every game this season. Yelich has missed, at least, I think, 10, 12 games this season with his back. So, I mean, just the fact that he's been able to miss that time and still be at 41 home runs. You know, I actually think that we're going to see Mike Trout be the home run champion. I mean, this guy's played almost – I mean, I think he hit the DL one time this season for – I mean, actually, I guess the IL now. But, I mean, Trout has been absolutely knocking the ball out the park, and he's the the best player in baseball no doubt about it the angels don't have a whole lot left to play for but i think trout's going to keep on hitting those big flies and i think that he's going to end up hitting 56 home runs this year and lead the major leagues in home runs i think bellinger though will be right behind him i don't need my full minute as well either there um last one here is who will win the nl central You're you, you want me or do you want oh it's me uh, 
Yeah, I'll throw you on the clock. Okay. Um, although I do feel like the Cardinals are on an absolute tear, while the Chicago Cubs are actually on the opposite of a tear, they are falling rapidly down the board on the NL Central, and I think that it really is as much of a toss-up as anything. But the only reason I'm going with Chicago is because I think that they played good against St. Louis for one one thing, and they are going to have an easier schedule down the stretch than St. Louis, I believe. I did some research on it earlier, and I think that Chicago is probably just going to have the more talented team. I know that uh, they are dealing with some injuries on that pitching staff, I believe. But I'm going with Chicago, and I think it's a this is as close to a toss-up as you get in the MLB. Um, all right, I'm actually going to disagree with you on this one, which is good. I think the Cardinals can. The Cardinals have been on fire the second half this season here. We've seen them since recalling Harrison Bader. We've seen him been hitting the ball well, and I think when he hits the ball well, he's the X factor this Cardinals lineup needs. He's a guy that me and Bid were really high on going this season. All the Cardinals, I mean, their home away splits, just like the Cubs and every team in this division, are unbelievable. Um, the Cubs, I think, getting swept this. I guess they, I guess they lost. Yeah, no, they lost every game this weekend against the Nationals, and mm-hmm. I think that was big that buried them a little bit back in the state in the standings but the cardinals have more home games left than the cubs do which i actually think is the biggest factor here that affects the uh cardinals at this point you know i think they're they're pitching and the splits are a lot better they're also it hasn't gone through yet but they're going to get a big road win tonight in milwaukee which is huge for this team look i think the cardinals are playing their best baseball at the right time they always seem to play better in the second half of the season and i think the cardinals are going to end up winning this division as i predicted before the season boom all right, we're done with baseball now. Let's get back to the uh, NFL, and we're about to finish out our AFC preview as we still have the AFC North and West, and we'll talk about our uh, AFC playoff teams and our champions. So start things out here with the AFC North, and this division is going to be, you know, it's I think it's going to be one of the more competitive divisions we see in the AFC here. you got the Ravens, Bengals, Browns, and Steelers. Um, I'll let you kick things off for us here, Brett. Um, what do you What are you thinking about this division? Let's a little. St- let's start with the Ravens first. Okay, so we're gonna do a team by team thing. Um, yeah, we'll go team by team, then pick our winner and our favorite team total. So this this division got shooken up a little bit over the offseason. Uh, you kind of saw the Steelers lose Le'Veon Bell, which they already lost him last season. You saw them lose Antonio Brown and that weird Antonio Brown saga, who. That's a conversation for another day, but what a weirdo. I think that this is a three-team race. Uh, you saw the Cleveland Browns, you know, pick up an, the whole entire roster pretty much. Uh, I don't even need to go through that list. And I think that this is a three-team race. I think the Bengals are one of the worst teams in football, really. I don't think they're very good at all. And I'm actually going to go out on a limb here and say that the AFC North ends up putting two teams in the playoffs. And that's not even really going out on a limb. But the reason I'm going out on a limb here is I think that the Steelers actually missed the playoffs for the first time in a while. Ooh, And I know you're going to disagree with it. I know you're going to disagree with it. And the reason I say this is, look, we've seen Big Ben get injured in the past. We've seen him 
also do some incredible things at this age. But I think the time that the clock has run out for the Steelers in this time frame, I think they're still a good team. I'm not saying that they're going to have a bad record. I think that the Ravens and the Browns are just going to be better. And I think that the Ravens and the Browns are going to be a little bit more rejuvenated. They're going to have a little bit more longevity. One injury for the Steelers, and everything's, everything goes south for them, and especially on their offensive side or offensive side of things. And I think that that is the reason that they're going to miss the cut on these three teams in this three-team race. And I think it's going to be the Browns, the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Bengals in that order. All right, so I'm not even going to talk about the Bengals because I don't believe in this team at all, and I don't think they're going to be able to get it done in this division that's so stacked up. I think every team's going to take that game real seriously and know they need to beat up on them and win that game to stay in the race for how close it's going to be. Look, for me with Baltimore here, with this offense that they run, first off, I'm going to say this about the defense. Defense did have a lot of key departures, even though they did add Earl Thomas. I still think that they lost a lot of guys that they've had there for a while, and I thought they lost a lot of key guys to this defense. I think 8-8 eight and eight and 7-9 and nine is realistic for this Ravens team. I think they're barely going to miss the playoffs. You know, it's it's all it's usually tight in that division to make it. And I think the best thing that it proves this is look at the Chargers the second time around they played that run offense with Lamar Jackson. I think it's kind of, you know, or even like Kaepernick or guys who run these, you know, run style offenses. I really think that teams as they see them and they get more film on this offense as the season goes on, I think that they'll be able to game plan better and they'll be able to better prepare for Lamar Jackson and this Baltimore Ravens offense. And ultimately, I think they'll be able to beat them and knock them out look I took the Steelers plus 175 to win the division which is a bet that I am backing and I think all of y'all should ride Steelers got rid of their two biggest distractions Antonio Brown they said was a distraction all season long terrible on the locker room they said that locker room was in pieces I mean even the year before when you had Villanueva coming out and the whole team was not supposed to go out there for the national anthem I know Le'Veon Bell kept his mouth closed and tried not to be a distraction but it still is because everyone was asking and bothering the locker room about it it's still a distraction the Steelers lost their two biggest distractions actions we've seen that they've been able to replace guys no matter what james washington statistically is one of the better receivers in ncaa history um you mean you got juju smith schuster's ready to step into stardom we've seen the steelers never miss a beat at running back they're always stacked up there with james connor you know i think he's ready he even said that he is in better shape this year because he wasn't expecting to kind of carry that kind of load that he carried last year I think the Steelers are ready to take over and run this division. Look, for the Browns, the schedule's a little hard at the beginning of the season. I don't think this team, I mean, I don't think that Kitchens is totally ready to lead this team. I also think they're still a little young and immature. I think the Browns will make the playoffs to the wild card, but I don't think they'll win the division personally. I got the Steelers plus 175 to cash and win this division for us. I just don't, I am so worried for the Steelers if they lose Big Ben, because look, as much as I he want Josh Dobbs to have success, division. as much as I want Josh Dobbs to have success, I don't think he's going to be the type of quarterback that wins that division. And I just am not sure how I feel about it. Uh, I, I, it's a tough, it's a tough call to make in this division, and I think it's going to come a lot down to health within the division. And I think that the two teams have the best chance to stay healthy and don't. Get me wrong. I don't think that this team or this conference or the oh Jesus, this division produces a high win total for their division leader because I feel like they're all their schedules are tough. 
I mean, truly, all their schedules are going to be tough schedules. Only within the division, though, the Steelers and the Browns have schedules that rank outside of the, you know, that they're ranking the like bottom 20 in the NFL strength of the schedule wise, which plays to their advantages. Yeah, but with their division, I think they could easily split games with their whole entire division minus the Bengals. And that's oh, three yeah, losses I mean, yeah, right that, there. I mean, that part is definitely true there, but. I don't. I feel like the Steelers. They've got a lot of veterans here. They add Devin Bush on defense. You got T.J. Watt only getting older. You got guys like Cam Hayward, Artie Burns. I think there's a lot of good stuff with the Steelers defense. You know, the, after the bye week when they kind of changed it, changed up some schemes and kind of changed packages and everything up a little bit how they were playing. They were a top ten defense in the NFL. I believe they were actually like after their bye week, they were the one of the best. They, I think they were like the second or first, or honestly the best defense in the NFL at that point. I think this team's going to build off that and take this momentum forward. I really, really like the Steelers to win this division. I know a lot of people are against me on this one, but I just feel like, man, this is a veteran team. I mean, obviously, if the, if they lose Big Ben, it's not going to be as good. But, I mean, every team in the division could could lose a quarterback. Plus, we saw them do it in the past where they had Vic in there playing quarterback and they still were able to make the playoffs. Vic is a – whoa, now. Whoa, Vic's now. That's a great backup. My favorite – that's my favorite pro athlete of all time. I, I always put respect on that name. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Definitely not definitely not Josh Dobbs back there. But I just think that they're on the come down in terms of just general momentum. I don't know if they have what it takes. And don't get me wrong, I think that that, that second spot within this division in terms of getting into that playoffs, because I did say two teams are going to make the playoffs, I think it's going to come down to like a win and get in game at the very end. Uh, you know, for either... I mean, the Steelers play at Baltimore on Week 17. I think that's going to be a very telling game. I think that's going to put the winner in the playoffs. And the only reason I think the Ravens are going to pull it off is because they're going to be at home at the end. And you have to go, depending on the Steelers play three out of their last four on the road. Uh, So it's a tough stretch, even though one of those games is against Arizona. I don't think that... I don't think Arizona... Arizona is a trap team. They have a lot of talent on that team. They really do, especially on offense. So the Steelers are also kind of known for losing to some bad teams every once in a while here and there. So it's hard to say, really. But I'm I'm still... I'm sticking strong to it. I don't think the Steelers make the playoffs. All right. I like how we disagree on that one. I got them to win in the division. You got them out of the playoffs. I know a lot of people do. What's your favorite season win total bet from this division? Season win total for... Um, mm. what are give me some give me the totals for each one I know the Steelers are at nine and a half which is my favorite season win total um I believe the Ra- the Ravens are eight and a half um Bengals are at six <laughs> and the Browns are at nine I like the Browns one nine is a good Four number off the top of my I don't like the half Ooh. half points. Brown is a Browns is a good number at nine. Yeah, the Browns are at nine. I was about to say I pulled those off the top of my head and at I very minimum to push. I, and this is coming from a guy. This is coming from a guy that made a bet for the Browns to win nine games, a fifty dollar bet with a friend. All they had to do is win nine games. They won eight and a half last year. Literally eight and a half games. Eight and a half games. They won eight and a half games. Yeah, one eight and a half. That's, that's that's pretty hurt there. Um, let's move now to the AFC West. 
And I'll start us off here on the AFC West. Look, I think this division, it comes down to two teams realistically. I'm not a fan of Denver, and I'll go ahead and tell you all why. Look, they got Joe Flacco. I think it makes their offense a little bit better. But, you know, this this receiving core, man, it's unproven. I really haven't seen much from this receiving core. You know, Cortland Sutton, um, Hamilton, Deshaun Hamilton, and uh, Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, they say Sanders is ready to go, but I'm, I'd am i say not so fast. You know, tearing the Achilles, that's not something you come back from overnight. Like I said, I mean, they're, they're uh, head coach with Vic Fangio. You know, he's more of a defensive guy. The offense is what they needed. I mean, Flacco is okay. I think they go under their win total of seven wins, which was what I was going to have for later. Mm-hmm. But also the Raiders, I mean, I think the Raiders will have a good offense. I think they'll be fun to watch this year. But they play five straight road games, and they have to go to London. That is one of the most unfavorable schedules I have heard of. I don't like the Raiders at all in this this year. I think it's I think that they're set up well though for when they move to Oakland. I'd give them one more year. Um, I think it comes down to Kansas City and the Chargers, and I have both these teams actually making the playoffs. I think the Chargers take this division. They are absolutely stacked across the board. I know Derwin James will miss a little bit of time. I know Melvin Gordon's still holding out. I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters. Field toting that rock. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it matters at all. I mean, I think that Philip Rivers can really get this offense moving. I mean, when he's got weapons like Keenan Allen on the outside, Mike Williams in now his third year, he's going to have Hunter Henry back, a big target that he really likes to throw to in the middle of the field. Also, I think Kansas City's defense might be a little bit better here. Deron Lee, he was the best coverage linebacker in the league last year. That's also because Deion Jones didn't play much because he was injured. But they add him from the Dolphins. You got Tyron Matthew back there to replace a very old, worn-down Eric Berry. really didn't do anything last year, although Eric Berry's still one of the goats, but I mean, Eric Berry is a little past his prime at that point. I think they added a good bit of players. I think that in replacing Kareem Hunt will be no problem for them with uh, Damian Williams. Nope. Um, the only thing not. that scares I don't me think is, the they offense, might, is they... That offense is not the type of offense that needs, you know, a running yeah. back like Kareem Hunt. I think that they're going to... It's a well-oiled machine at this point. I think that they're going to be fine with any running back that's going to pop in mm-hmm. and I do agree with you though on this one though that it's a two-team race I don't think that although I am very interested to see how Oakland performs in their second year with Gruden I don't think that this is it for them yet and I think that it is a two-team race between the Chargers and the Chiefs and I'm also in agreement that this is going to be putting two teams in the playoffs, uh, I think that we're going to see the Chargers in that five spot again with the Chiefs up top. Um, I agree with you completely on that one. I think, I mean, who are you picking between the Chargers and the Chiefs? Who you got winning the division? Chiefs, easily, man. The Chiefs are going to uh, the Chiefs are going to win in the same. It's going to be almost a repeat season from last year. And I, I don't want to say easily because it's going to be a tough it's going to be a tough climb right there. But I think that it's going to be a repeat season in which the Chargers put up a lot of win total. I think what was it separated by a game last year at, by the end of it? I thought I thought I it was thought the Chiefs won a tiebreaker. No, it was. Yeah, it was a tiebreaker. Yeah, it was a tiebreaker. It was separated by their win against them. I think it's going to be almost an identical season. And I think that the Chiefs are probably going to. uh Edge, edge them out for first place again. But, I mean, who knows? I, I still both think that both teams are capable of 12 to 13 wins or maybe even going 11 and 5. And I think that both of them are about even on just general. I think that they are going to be 
at the top of that division, obviously, and I think they're both going to be in the playoffs and they're going to be fighting for, you know, home field against one another. All of transitions here. All right, so now that we've talked about all of the divisions in the AFC, it's time. Pick out your AFC playoff teams, give me your AFC championship game, and give me your winner. Okay. AFC playoff teams, you're going to see, I think, you're going to see the uh, Kansas City Chiefs with a one seed. I think that that they're going to go back-to-back with a one seed. I think that the only thing that they did is get better defensively. Uh, Their offense is still going to be their offense. I think that the Patriots come in, get that two seed in classic New England fashion. I think that the Texans actually come in and get a tie. Well, I think that the third and four are going to be tied in terms of um, record-wise. I think they're going to be a tie, and however that tiebreaker plays out, I think it's going to be the Browns and the Texans in whatever order works. And then I'm going to see the Chargers at the five spot, and then, like I said, we're going to see the Baltimore Ravens in the wild card. The AFC champion is going to be, unfortunately, the New England Patriots. I just... I truly do feel like they're unbeatable. And I, I've I've thought that that the Chiefs, the Chargers could beat them. I've thought that everybody in this division or this conference could beat them, but they are unbeatable. I've come to that conclusion. Okay. I, I they've, they've sold their soul to the devil. They are the devil. <laughs> they're unbeatable. Um, you know, I'm struggling a little bit with my seating, but I feel like this is the best I'm gonna be able to do it here. You know, I really hate not picking the Patriots to finish top two, but at the same time, I'm going to have to. I've got the Pittsburgh Steelers in this two spot, the Patriots in the one spot. My three spot, i got the Chargers winning their division. And the four, you know, like I said earlier, as much as I – part of me wants to go with the Jags just because the Texans have such a hard schedule and they have no running back. But I'm gonna go with the Texans in the last spot. It's I'm really torn over that division. Like every single team in that division has positive odds to win the division. If that says anything to you about how much of a coin flip it is to win that one, but I think it's gonna AFC be a ten game. I think it's gonna be a ten game winner as the division champion. Ooh, I think it's gonna be like eight and eight, seven and nine as the division winner. My wild cards though, I've got Kansas City and the Browns. And in my AFC championship game, I have the New England Patriots versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think Mike Tomlin finally gets the monkey off his back and beats the New England Patriots. I have the Pittsburgh Steelers going to the Super Bowl. Interesting. We have very, very, very different expectations for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I think that it's about as different as they could get, truly. You have them going to the Super Bowl. I have them missing the playoffs. We will see very shortly. I am getting worn out. I'm going to have to wrap it up. I am almost tired of talking about football without watching it. It's like weighing on my conscious. It is. Uh, So we're going to wrap it up. When we come back for the next episode of The Role Player, we're going to be discussing the NFC, which is... 
way more fun to discuss than the AFC for me personally because my Cowboys are in there. Uh, we get my to Falcons. talk about the Falcons a little bit. All good things to say about the Falcons. And That's we'll have right. fun with it. So in the meantime, do follow the TRP Twitter account at TRP underscore sports. We have some great content. I've actually been dedicating more time to tweeting on the role player account than I have actually been dedicating time to record on the role player. So stay tuned on both the podcast and the Twitter account. Both of them are popping out great content. Once I get to 100, I'm going to do a giveaway. So be on the lookout for that. And until then, we will see you next time. Thomas, you got any parting words before I wrap it up? Yeah, my parting words are follow me on Twitter at TP3Wins. Follow me on Instagram at TP3Bets. Got lots of winners pumping out there for y'all. Went 2-1, and one, including hitting my max best bet on college football. So we're off to a good start for the season. Just went three and one on baseball tonight. Uh, got tons of winners for y'all over there. Tons of great content. Me and Brett always tweeting stuff out, but yeah, follow us there. We're going to keep on cranking out these podcasts and it's going to be a fun cut next couple of weeks. I'm so glad football's back, but we'll see y'all later on this week. Peace. And that's it. Boom. I'm back here live in the studio once again for another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today is Monday, August 26th, 2019, and I am so excited for today's show, guys. We got so much good stuff for y'all. Uh, Brett will be joining me here shortly before that he hops on the Skype call and we get everything going. Um, this is a great weekend for me in college football. Week zero went two and one, including cashing my first max bet of the college football season, that being under 47 points. In the Florida Miami game, also had to stay up till about three o'clock in the morning to make sure it cashed. But we cashed on Hawaii plus eleven, and my only loser was Florida minus seven. Which, I mean, man, if y'all watched that game, you knew we should have hit that one. But it's been a nice little run we've been having, guys. Been a great baseball run. I'm about ready to be done with baseball though, and be on this NFL, NBA, college football grind. It's a great time of the year, guys. But me and Brett got lots of good stuff for y'all today, and let's get down to it. <laughs> 